Welcome to AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get support and guidance through the chaos of parenting. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about the letdown after the holidays. <laughs> it's a very real thing, probably for a lot of us who get super excited about the holidays and we're very excited about the holiday season. And then you hit January and then boom, it's just over. And I know I always get a little blue around January because, you know, putting all the decorations away and it's kind of sad. And it's like, what do we have to look forward to? Well, there's Valentine's day, (laughs) but for our kids with anxiety, it is even more of a letdown because they tend to feel their emotions in a bigger sort of way. And they feel those bumps in a bigger sort of way. And that big jump from super excitement and all these fun activities and all these presents to nothing. And then visually nothing, all the decorations are going away. That can actually be kind of hard for a lot of kids. So I wanted to do an episode just on how to soften that a little bit for our anxious kids. And also what to do now that you have maybe some time on your hands with your kids because they are still on break. So just a few things that I want to cover. I, on a separate note, have been very busy working on my AT parenting community, which is coming out at the end of January. And I am getting incredibly excited about it because it's just great to have a place where I'm just going to pour all of my stuff, my resources. I'm making videos just for members. I am making videos just for your kids. It will all be in this membership in the AT parenting community. So just want to let you know that I've been very, very busy working on that. And you will hear more about that in the upcoming weeks as we get closer to the end of January when it's going to come out. So let's get started talking about how to get your kids to survive this break. (laughs) So for starters, some of this is going to sound kind of obvious. I always say that at the beginning because I feel like everything I say is like so obvious, but I think when you don't eat and live and breathe this, you know, on a professional and personal basis, some of these things you may not think about. So you definitely want to plan some activities. Uh, I think a lot of times we want our kids to veg out. I know with my anxious kids, downtime is their friend. And we are a family of serious downtime. (laughs) Like my, well, my littlest, she could probably be on the go, but actually, you know what? She has an expiration date too. So we like to just relax. Even when we go on vacation, we spend a lot of time just relaxing. We will, um, we'll go out, we'll do something and we will have in the middle of the day, we'll come back to the hotel or wherever we're staying. And we will just have an hour or two where we all just recharge. And luckily most of us in my family, a family of five, we're all like that. So it doesn't feel annoying to any one of us. But having said that, sometimes too much downtime can kind of make us all go stir crazy and it can actually increase the anxiety and OCD in your kids, especially OCD. Um, but even anxiety, when you have downtime, your mind can start racing with OCD. You get more intrusive thoughts. And so a lot of times parents will say to me, I don't know why, but break tends to be the hardest time for my kids. And to me, 
you know, sitting in my practice for 15 years, that is not surprising at all because downtime is anxiety and OCD's best friend because they have a full stage and your full attention to bother you with whatever and anything it wants to bother you. You have no distractions. You don't have school. You don't have activities going on. So to circumvent some of that damage, you want to at least have one activity a day where you're going out. And when I did a podcast on how to survive the summer, (laughs) there's a theme here, how to survive anything. That was one of my points was go out at least once a day. So I will sometimes see kids in my practice and they haven't been out for days and days, weeks and weeks. Even when was the last time you left the house? Well, I've been in my pajamas playing on my iPad for like three days and I haven't even showered. Now, maybe it's not that extreme at your house, but you do want to have, you want to air out your kids. So plan some activities, even if it's like we're going to the park and let them know ahead of time because you're going to get some resistance if you have a home buddy. So you can say something like, okay, this is what today's going to look like. And I do this in the summer and I also do this on breaks is I preview the day and I have a 15 year old and I'll still preview the day with her. I'll preview the day to all three of my kids and I'll say, this is what's going to happen. We're going to wake up, we're going to breakfast, we're going to relax at two o'clock. I will pick an arbitrary time and I'll say at two o'clock, let's, we're all going to go get frozen yogurt and get some frozen yogurt. We'll come back and then we'll relax for the rest of the day. So I'll just, I'll tell them what activity we're doing so that I can air them out. So that is my first tip, plan some activities. And then, you know, you can create some fun activities at home. And so when I'm in a very good mom mood and I'm not overwhelmed with all the projects that I currently have going on, I will do like a scavenger hunt in the house and I'll just get like little notes, little sticky notes, and I will create like little riddles and I'll put them in different places. And then at the very end of it, they'll be like, a little piece of candy, or there'll be like a little, um, dollar store gift or something or nothing, you know, just the fun of having a scavenger hunt. So you can create very fun, entertaining things at your own house. Another thing that I try to do is at Christmas when the kids are unwrapping everything and they're overwhelmed, sometimes I will try to take a couple of toys and I'll put them high up in the toy shelf without anyone really being too aware when I'm cleaning up and just putting things away, I'll take a few of the things that weren't really big on their radar and I'll put them a little bit higher up out of the way. And then about a week into their Christmas break, cause they get two weeks off, I will take those things down and they'll have something new to play with. So that's another option just to keep things real and keep things fresh is to kind of put something on the side that you can do. Another thing is you can do some holiday activities that are Christmas related after Christmas, because a lot of things go way past Christmas. There's a lot of Christmas festivals and holiday lights. Um, in a lot of towns, they have zoo lights. And in our town, there is something called festival of lights that comes every year. And it's not necessarily only Christmas. It is like a multicultural festival of lights experience. And so for the last two years, we have made that kind of our new tradition after the holidays. So it's something to look forward to after the holidays. So we always do that around that new year's week. We'll go and we'll do the festival of lights. So having a a tradition after the holidays can be a really great way to kind of help your kids acclimate. Now I want to talk about just behavior. Those are all some things that you can do to help the transition and the letdown. But I also want to talk about 
what do you do with all this increased anxiety and OCD that will come up for a lot of kids? There are two reasons why you're going to see this. One, like we talked about, your child is um, having too much downtime. And so, and, and that's not a bad thing. We do want our kids to learn how to cope with downtime because just you can't live on distraction. And really, it's a good litmus test to see how well your child is truly doing. Can they handle no distractions? Or does their anxiety or OCD get really intense when they don't have distractions? That's a good litmus test to say, we really had a Band-Aid on the issue and it wasn't really completely resolved. Because we want our kids to be ninja warriors where even if they sat in a quiet room, they could fight off and handle and work through any anxiety or OCD thoughts. I mean, that's our ultimate goal, right? So that's going to be a little bit tricky. And I'm going to talk about what to do with that. And then the second thing that becomes hard will be the kids have to come back to school. And if you have a kid with school refusal or school anxiety, even if you don't, going back to school can be tricky. So parentally, I want to give you a couple of messages. One, if your child is doing horrible during break, please don't freak out. It's to be expected. A lot of times parents will get really overwhelmed and they'll think, oh my gosh, we are back to square one. Is square one? Is that an expression? I don't even know. It just sounds weird. Anyway, we're about, I don't even know. (laughs) That kind of distracted me, but we're, we're back to the beginning. We haven't made any progress. Um, She's doing all the things that she did a year ago. What is going on now? That's going to happen, whether it's over the holiday break or whether it's just sporadically, that's going to happen sometimes. And I always like to tell parents and the kids, it's not that you lost all that progress. Anxiety and OCD can be cyclical. They can be triggered by transitions and stress and changes in your life. They can be triggered by hormonal changes. They can be triggered by developmental changes and they can be triggered by nothing at all. They're just cyclical. So, and also if you have any medical conditions that tend to exasperate or create or or, are the origin of the anxiety and OCD, you can get an illness and it can be triggered. And I am actually going to do an entire episode, not next week. Um, Next week, I actually have an episode with John Hirschfield the author of When a Family Member Has OCD and his recent book, um, Harm OCD. And that is a great interview. I already recorded it. And so that that's next week. But the week after that, I am going to do an episode, or at least that's my plan currently, to do an episode all on medical conditions that are related to anxiety and OCD because of everything that's been going on in my house for the last six months, which I will not talk about right now but I will talk about in minute detail in two weeks. So if you aren't subscribed to my podcast, subscribe because I have two really good episodes coming up. John Hirschfield is an amazing author and OCD expert, and he had some really good wisdom to share. And you're going to want to listen to my medical one too, because I have maybe some things that you wouldn't um, think I'm going to say, you know, about that. Cause I have, I'm going to go on my soapbox a little bit on that topic. So stay tuned for that subscribe. But anyway, there are things that will trigger our kids and they are going to hit bumps where they, they decline and they have symptoms that 
that were there before. I was talking to a family last week in my practice and I said to them, you know, OCD and anxiety, it's like, it's an old jukebox and they have oldies, but goodies. And so it just, because you think you conquered a theme or you conquered a particular fear and it comes back, doesn't mean that you defeated it. Anxiety and OCD have their oldies, but goodies, and they will periodically try to play that record one more time. I'm dating myself, right? Play that, uh, MP3 (laughs) or whatever. So that is why that's going to happen. So to address the anxiety or OCD, a lot of times parents will say, you know what? I don't want to rock the boat. Um, this is her time, or this is his time to just relax. I want him to recoup. And so we're not going to talk about anxiety or OCD. We're just going to totally chill. We're going to veg, which is great. You know, kids do need downtime. Don't overschedule them over the break, but that is the wrong mentality. You want to roll up your sleeves and you want to talk a lot about anxiety and OCD, even if they're having a hard time. That's even more of a reason you don't want to back away and not rock the boat, quote unquote, because we want to ride through the storm. We don't want to avoid the storm because avoiding the storm doesn't prevent the storm from hitting you eventually. It will. So it's better to be proactive and move through it. This is a time to do exposures and challenges. This is a time to reset and sit with your child and say, what themes are still bothering you? what anxiety themes are still bothering you or what OCD themes are still bothering you. Um, or if you haven't had any good communication, this is a good time to go back, you know, show your kids some of my YouTube videos on how to talk about this stuff. And you want to, to make a list and create a challenge ladder. You know, what can we do each day? Go to the dollar store and get a prize box for younger kids and say, Hey, if you do exposures, I call them challenges. I think that's a little bit more kid friendly then you can earn something from the prize box. And I go into all of that in my other podcast episodes. So I'm not going to go into detail here about how to do all that. But and I do have a whole online class purely on how to talk to your kids about OCD and then how to set up exposure response prevention in your house. And so um, there's always links below in the show notes about that. So you can always look at that or go to anxioustoddlers.teachable.com and see those classes. But The point is you want to do something over break. That's the time where I regroup with my kids and I, I tap into their anxiety and I tap into my son's OCD and I, I get a pulse on it and we develop new challenges. So do that because you actually could be taking a big chunk of the power back from anxiety and OCD when you're very proactive and you're constantly working on it. Also, you want to keep routines somewhat the same. So a lot of times we, we get more lax and which is totally understandable and we lose any kind of structure or routine to our day. And for anxiety and OCD, that isn't always a good thing because they feel, they don't feel grounded. They don't feel anchored to any kind of structure. And so it can make someone feel a little bit discombobulated. And I know I even feel that way. I'm in a much better place mentally when I have structure to my day. I'm even in a much better place when I take a shower. It's weird. It's like, if I don't take a shower and I'm in my pajamas all day, I feel, I feel disoriented. And I know maybe some people don't feel that way. They're like, what are you talking about? I feel like that's paradise, but I do. I feel a little bit disoriented and discombobulated and, you know, I'm an anxious person, so I need routine and structure. So, and your kids are the same way. 
Uh, they may not think they are because <laughs> you're probably, I just heard in my head, like all the responses that are probably happening across the radio waves of my kid would love to just sit in their pajamas all day. They're not discombobulated. What is she talking about? They don't think they are, but it does give them no routine and structure. So I'm not saying get into a battle with your kids and be like, you have to take a shower. Your, Natasha says you're going to feel better. <laughs> That's me. That's not your kids, but you do want to provide some routine. So you still probably want, if your kids have a bedtime, then you probably still want to implement one. Yeah, maybe later, you know, maybe an hour or two later than what you normally have, but there's still some structure of, hey, go brush your teeth. It's time for bed. And then as you get closer to going back to school, if your child has a bedtime, you're going to want to start inching back to that. So by the time that you hit the night before school starts, they've already had that bedtime for maybe two days. That is just a good way to transition back because anxious kids don't transition back very well. So keep some routine. I'm not saying be militant about it. If you don't have a bedtime normally, obviously don't have a bedtime on break. That doesn't make any sense. And it's fine for kids to sit in their pajamas all day, but you know, you want to air them out once a day and you want to have some routine, even if it's just, Hey, you're going to go to bed at whatever time. Okay. The last thing I want to talk about is getting your kids back to school. That's tricky for a lot of kids. So first of all, expect that. Okay. Don't be surprised and be like, what the heck? Why is she having a hard time going back to school? We already dealt with this. We've already been in therapy. This is a done deal. No, on breaks, when kids go back, you are very likely going to hit a bump. That's okay. But there are some proactive things that you can do. So one thing is if they have friends that they do have play dates with, or if they're older and they do hang out with friends, you want to encourage them to reach out to their friends. Maybe that weekend before school starts, let's say they've just been totally hibernating and living in their pajamas for the last week and a half or whatever. You're going to want to encourage some socialization because when they reconnect with their friends, they're also reconnecting with school because we're talking about school friends. So that is a good way to get their feet wet and to get them starting to acclimate back to the idea of going back to school. And that's also, they can connect with their friends and they can talk about their breaks. So by the time they go and they have their first day of school, they want to see their friends again. So that's one thing. Now, some kids don't really have a lot of play dates or they don't really hang out with their friends outside of school. And so you're not going to do that because they don't normally do that. And that's okay for those kids you, you still, and for any kid separate from that, you still want to address school. So a lot of times parents don't want to rock the boat again. There's a lot of not wanting to rock the boat. I'm a big rock the boat kind of person because I feel like the boat's going to rock anyway. So let's not like hide our head in the sand and just deny that there's going to be a problem. (laughs) I'm much more of a, let's talk about it. Not like in a scary, oh my gosh, you're going to have such a big problem sort of way, but just in a, hey, this is coming up, you know, how do you feel about it? Because when you're proactive, I'm so big on proactivity, you can avoid some big bumps. So it's all about avoiding the big bumps. So if I had a kid who had a lot of school, school refusal in the past year, I might say maybe like a day or two before school starts, I might, you know, take them aside. And I might say something like, how are you feeling about going back to school? And they might say, fine, because it depends on your kid. Some kids are like oblivious to their anxiety until they actually, the morning of, 
And some kids are one of those builders. They build up their anxiety. So it depends on your kid. So they might minimize it and sugarcoat it and be like, it's fine. Or they might be already feeling nauseous. They might be feeling really worried. Depends on your kid. So you want to touch base with them and you want to say, how are you feeling about school? And even if you have a kid who says, I'm feeling fine. And you know that they don't have a history of that. You can say, you know what? It's, it's very likely that you're going to feel nervous on the first day. And so even if you're not feeling nervous now, let's come up with a plan. And if you feel great, you know, the first day of school back, that's awesome. But I think it's good just to talk about what can we do the first morning? How can we make it easier for you? So you want to go over whatever coping mechanisms they've already learned to make sure that it's being talked about and it's being addressed. And then you might say, is there anything that you're worried about going back to school? Now that's not an invitation to make them anxious. It's they're already probably thinking about these things. And if they're not, they're going to. So you're trying to beat anxiety to the punch and trying to reframe their thinking before it happens. So maybe your child says, well, I'm nervous. I haven't seen anyone. Um, I got a haircut. I don't, I don't want anyone to see it. I mean, I have no idea. Anxiety can create so many different worries. And then you're going to reframe that. You know, and I talk a lot in my online class about green thoughts and red thoughts. I think I have a YouTube video on it as well. And you just want to reframe the thought. So if you're having a negative thought, what's the different way you can look at it? You won't know to reframe your kids' thoughts if you don't know what kind of thoughts they're having. Also, you can make maybe the morning going back kind of fun. So it depends on your kid what would be exciting if you go and you get a special treat on the way to school that day, or maybe they want to arrive early so they can like get comfortable and get into school before the crowds, or maybe that's the worst thing for them because they don't want to go to school. It depends on your kid, but coming up with what, what is that morning going to look like going back to school will be a really good thing. And don't forget to empathize. I think a lot of times we forget to empathize and we kind of get into the the mama or dad in mode of, well, you know, we all have to go to school, you know, and I have to go to work. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. But how about a little empathy first? (laughs) So, you know, like I'm very real with my kids. I'll be like, yeah, I know it sucks. (laughs) It sucks. You have to go back. I wish we could all just sit here on break forever. I, I do. And you're not going to have to go to school for the rest of your life. But unfortunately you do right now. It's not my deal. It's like kind of like the law. So you do have to go to school. How can we make this better though? So there's a lot of validation of being like, I get it. Like I get that it sucks, but also it is what it is. So what are we going to do with that? And I think in general, that's a good way to handle talking to your kids, like empathize with them first. Don't, don't rush in there and tell them, well, we all have to do things we don't like. I don't know why I'm doing like this weird (laughs) dad voice because it's moms too. Well, we all have to do things we don't like but that sounds kind of like my own voice. So whatever you want to empathize, you want to empathize with your kids first. You don't want to over empathize. I have parents who over empathize and then now you're both kind of having a problem. Well, I don't want to see you go either. And if you could stay home with me, it would be great. And I get so nervous when you leave too. And it's just so hard for me. And don't do that. (laughs) We want to be a rock, but we want to be an empathetic rock. So there you go. Be an empathetic rock. So I hope I know I just like shot out all of these different tips for you that are kind of random, but I hope that helps you. Maybe gave you some ideas on how to transition back to school because I know it can be really tricky. So 
Definitely stay tuned for next week when I am going to be talking all about helping kids with harm OCD with John Hirschfield. He also talks about just OCD in general with kids. So it's a good episode for anyone to listen to. And the week after will be about um, medical conditions and anxiety and OCD. So that I've been like wanting to talk about that for a long time. And so I'm very excited to record that episode for you. If you are enjoying my podcast, if you can hit a star on iTunes and there are stars right below my podcast name, I would greatly appreciate that. And if you have time to leave a review, it only take a few seconds. I completely appreciate that. And to show my gratitude, I always like to end my episode with one of the reviews. Thank you to Katie who wrote, thank you so much for great advice. So nice to find a helpful resource. My little guy's core fear are bad dreams. I feel at a loss on how to tackle this fear. And I do have a YouTube video, Katie, on um, visual imagery to help kids and creating a world. So that might be something to check out. Uh, you can go to youtube.com slash C slash anxious toddler 78. It was quite a while ago. So you might have to scroll down if you go to my playlist. Um, but I will also do a podcast episode on that in the future because that's something that we are eating, living and breathing right now at my house too. So thank you for the review, Katie. I also want to read, um, Asla left a review and she wrote, I'm thankful beyond belief for finding your podcast. I struggle with anxiety along with one of my kids. However, the resulting manifestation for each of us is completely different. It is such a struggle at times to identify or even understand the feelings and behavior of my anxious kiddo. I've been able to identify and relate to several of your episodes, which is such a relief in itself. Your practical tips and suggestions are amazing and so greatly appreciated. Listening has given me some comfort and hope knowing that I'm not alone. Can't thank you enough for what you do. Thank you so much for writing such a nice review. I'm happy to help and I'm glad that I can provide you guys with some support. So if you have something to say, leave a review and maybe I'll be reading your review next time. Don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I will actually talk to you next Wednesday. Take care. When I first discovered Natasha, I was in a desperate place with my son and his anxiety was getting worse and we had tried counseling and it was not going well. Natasha gave us practical tools. She wasn't like the books that we had read that were, you know, you have three kids, but somehow you can magically spend 10 hours a day on your one anxious kid and just, you know, life is great for the other two. She's helped me understand OCD on a level that no therapist I have come across seems to understand. Natasha had practical real life advice that we started implementing the day that we listened to them. Not only did it help with our son's anxiety, it helped my husband and I to recognize um, the anxiety that we had in our parenting that was actually contributing to our children's anxiety. Her tools are, I mean, life-changing. She has been amazing, and I'm so thankful for the work that she provides to all of us who have children um, who battle anxiety and OCD. It is so exciting to see him about a year later just thriving in school. She really has guided us the whole way, and without her, our lives would be very different. We're very grateful. My husband and I are forever grateful to Natasha Daniels for helping us to figure out where to even start with anxiety. If you have a child with anxiety or OCD, 
she is your go-to woman. Parenting a child with anxiety is not easy, and sometimes it feels hopeless. And um, in a desperate time in my journey with my son, I started searching the internet and found Natasha Daniels. She has been a lifesaver. Her resources have given me hope. They've given me tools and support, and I I highly recommend her and her resources. They are phenomenal and they are some of the best resources you can find out there for anxiety and OCD. Parenting a child with anxiety and OCD can be a confusing and lonely journey. It can leave you feeling hopeless and overwhelmed, but it doesn't have to be that way. Join me this January as I begin a new adventure, forming a new community where I'll be walking with you, supporting you, and building your skills and confidence to help your child not only survive, but thrive. I will get to know you and your family on a deeper, more personal level. I'll be able to give you guidance based on your needs and your situation. I hope you'll join me in this next chapter and see where it can bring you and your family. We don't get to choose if our child has anxiety or OCD, but we can choose what we do about it. To learn more about the AT Parenting Community, go to anxioustollers.com forward slash community or get on the wait list to join by texting AT Parent with no space to 44222. Together we can do this. She's really good, and I hope I'll be like her. I have had OCD for over five years. I have trained my brain, and you can do the same thing.